Welcome to episode one of the Defender Podcast Extra Edition. I'm Rick Morton, your host. The Extra Edition of the Defender Podcast is brought to you by Lifeline Children's Services, and we are excited today um, to have two guests with us, um, Carla Thrasher, who is the manager of the China program at Lifeline, and Stephanie Leist, who is the um, blogger behind uh, Ni Hao Y'all, um, and also the mom to 13. And, uh, and today we are um, together going to talk about um, medical special needs adoption. And so, um, Carla, I'm going to turn to you first. And we, what we want to talk about today a little bit is international adoption has changed a lot in the last several years, um, particularly in the last decade. The, the complexion of international adoption has changed um, quite a bit. And this probably wasn't a conversation that many people were having um, 10, 15 years ago. Um, so can you kind of give us a little bit of, a, of, of an update of, of where we are today in international adoption? Absolutely. So... Ten plus years ago, like you said, um, international adoption, um, the atmosphere was one of there were healthy children that were available to be adopted. There were young children. And over the course of those 10 years, we've seen just an extreme switch in um, the just the age of children to be adopted, where a good average youngest age right now can be as high as three or four. Um, and definitely the the medical needs um, going from a, a an atmosphere where healthy children were available for adoption to an atmosphere now where most countries have children with um, moderate medical special needs all the way through the spectrum of even having significant to severe medical special needs. And it, it seems like that um, that many of the children that are available today are children that are just not well position to be cared for and, and to be accommodated within their own culture. Right. And so um, giving the opportunity for us to be able to minister to those kids in a different way and to bring them into families and into homes where they can, you know, where they can, can be cared for. Yeah. So Stephanie, we, we let out a little bit with um, with the fact that you're a, both an active blogger, um, but more than that, you're an active mom of mm -hmm. 13 kids. Um, tell us a little bit about your story and just how how you guys got to uh, to international adoption first and then just a heart for kids with special needs. Well, um, adoption was never on our radar, never. Um, I, I think the Lord is probably smiling right now as we're sharing the story, but um, my husband and I met, um, it's been 20 years and, uh, we're not saved. We're not believers. Um, I had two children from a previous marriage and we met and married and had two more children, four biological children and felt really content, very done, uh, excited to have, um, you know, diapers and, you know, all that baby stuff, um, in the, in the background, you know, moving forward, he has all sorts of retirement plans and, um, but the Lord just had a different plan. Um, when my youngest biological son was born around that time, we were both saved and it took us maybe a year or so, but we prayed an earnest prayer that the Lord would have his way and that we would lay down our plans. And I remember being afraid, very <laughs> afraid. And I had no idea what his, what his plans were. So, um, I would say it was just a little bit, maybe six months after that, that, uh, my husband, Interestingly, it was only my husband felt very strongly, really felt like the Lord was telling him that we had a daughter in China. 
and wrestled with it for, for weeks. Thought that I would think that he was crazy. And um, turns out he was absolutely right. <laughs> he came to me and told me, his hands were shaking. He said, I have to tell you something. And my biggest, I thought he was gonna say that we were gonna move because we had just moved into this beautiful dream home and I thought he was gonna say, we're pulling up, we're moving. He was military at the time. And he said, I, I think that the Lord is telling us that we have a daughter in China. And it took me about 24 hours to just look into it, pray over it, and we have never looked back. It has been 100% hearts broken open wide for um, specifically China because that's where we just felt like that was where the Lord was leading us. So for us, it was never a decision of where it was China. And um, yeah, we've never stopped. And my heart is as passionate today as it was when the Lord first lit us on fire. It's awesome. So Carla, when we talk about the, the subject of, of medical special needs in particular, what um, give us a sense of the, the categories or a sense of the, the diagnoses that we may be talking about that fit within the spectrum of medical special needs? So when we talk about the spectrum of medical special needs, and I appreciate using that word because there definitely is a spectrum. Um, there can be a mild end of the spectrum where you're looking at children that may have um, needs like cleft lip, cleft palate, orthopedic needs, mild hearing and vision challenges, um, mild heart defects, or really anything that has been corrected in country or anything that is considered that could be easily corrected once the child is adopted. Um, and then just running through the spectrum of um, the, the more significant needs. So needs that would involve um, blood disorders, um, cancer, any type of um, tumors or significant heart needs, um, even things that are considered to be syndromatic. And a lot, in a lot of international countries, I do want to say that even the significant needs are categorized as being significant because there's not a lot of tools for diagnosis or tools um, where, where they can feel like they are putting accurate information down on paper. And I always like to talk about um, with families, a lot of medical special needs is really about just the perspective of the family. What is minor to some may not be minor to others and vice versa, what is significant to some may not be a big deal to others. A lot of um, a lot of just how the perspective you have depends on your life experience. If you have a family member that may have certain medical needs that you have lived through, or if you have a child that you are parenting that has a need that you're very comfortable with, that you know specialists, that you know um, therapies, that you know you know details about procedures, you're gonna be much more comfortable um, with those needs than maybe somebody that hasn't experienced those. It's different for every family. That's why we really encourage families, first of all, to pray through their considerations. Um, talk to other adoptive families. Um, and Stephanie also has a blog that she um, writes called No Hands But Ours. Um, she has a lot of contributors that um, send in stories. And I refer families there because it's written from the perspective of moms and dads, not professionals like social workers, doctors, who, whose opinions are good. But this is a mom and a dad saying, this is what our life looks like every single day. 
um, the first few months home. This is what we look like, you know, five years later. And that has been a tool that we recommend because that's how we want families to, to see this through the scope of families that are truly walking it out. I also just really appreciate how Lifeline comes into the medical special needs arena with really believing that all children are valuable. And we're not the the ministry that is only going to promote the kids that are very young or have very minor needs. Um, We believe that all children are worthy of homes or at least worthy of care. So even if a child is not able to be adopted, we're looking at ways in country to help those kids. Are they gonna age out? Do they need medical care? Do caregivers need to be trained better to care for kids with medical special needs? Those are some of the things that we're really concerned about as well. Stephanie, I really appreciate you sharing just the story and how you guys got to adoption. I know for for Denise and me, it, it was a process. And, you know, and, and our story was she came home and said, um, you know, I think the Lord's calling us to adopt. And I don't even think I put my fork down and said no over dinner. You know, it was that kind of that kind of deal. But but I know then moving farther forward, um, like considering older child adoption, considering a child with special needs, um, it was a real process for us. Um, I think that, you know, in the beginning, we sort of had this, you know, kind of idealized fairy tale. Um, of what things might be like and and but then the Lord slowly but surely kind of chipped away at that um, and and gave us a, a sense that I remember once sitting down and having a conversation and and we were talking about well if if a child with special needs were was was born to us it wouldn't even be a question yeah you know we would do whatever we would we, we, there we would we would be mom and dad for always and and so there was a bit of a kind of a why not you know like like where where would the Lord have us to go in that I'd just be curious to hear just um, like what your journey was as you guys were thinking about um, being open to special needs and what did the Lord do in um, really inclining your heart in that direction well, when we first started, I think we just presumed, like most people in the program at the time, this is 2004, mm-hmm. as young as possible, no special needs. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much, you know, uh, what everybody was doing. And I think the wait for a referral from China at, at that time, not special needs, was six months. Yes. And um, the Lord started to put it on my heart that our daughter might be special needs. And it, I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but it was a very strong, it was very much like a, a burden, like it felt heavy and I needed to express it to my husband and he was not going to have any of it and our time for a referral was coming it was the months were ticking and we were going to get a non-special needs referral and I was almost panicked I said can't we extend the age we had said six to twelve months yeah girl as young as possible and can't we extend the age can't we you know he said no he said we can do the special needs but we need to stick to the parameters of what we have said Um, And we had, it was not Lifeline, we had that agency call us and tell us that we were not a special needs family, that we should stay in the regular program. And I remember taking that very personally, but also really searching my own heart and saying, you know, where is my heart in this? What are we open to? And as God would have it, as only God could do, we got a referral for a little girl with a hole in her heart who's seven and a half months. And we traveled for her before she was a year. So that was the way the Lord broke us in to, you know, special needs, but still under the framework that we had originally committed to. And 
um, she came home and that little girl needed to come home so badly. We tell her that the Lord brought her home so quickly because her care was not purposefully um, terrible, but this little one needed so much. She needed so much and her heart was her smallest special need. So we brought her home and that's when I first Lifeline found me, I found Lifeline, I don't remember, but I got an email from Lifeline with a special needs list. And there was a little girl on that list and she had a need we had said no way to. And God just cracked our hearts open for. I, it was no longer, is this, child, is this a need we can care for? It was, that's my daughter and I wanna be the one holding her hand when she goes through this procedure or this testing or this worst case scenario. I wanna be the one there holding her hand. And it was no question whether we could handle the need. That was, that was really on the back burner for us. So we brought her home and her special need was extremely manageable. Again, we were just reminded how sort of we had blinders on and thought we we understood what parenting certain children would be like and we were so wrong. So um, our next two boys had uh, uncorrected club foot and was very straightforward. That was when I started to get introduced into other moms who had, had lived this life, had been walking out this story for months, years, and had really great ideas, had had uh, supports in place, knew where to go, who to ask, what to do. And we actually chose our first son, Jude. We, chose his, special, we chose his treatment for his club foot based on the advice of another mom. And it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, she changed his life. She changed our life. And so No Hands But Ours was born because I said, we, we had to make this community accessible to everybody because they need to know what the options are. They need to know the people's stories. You don't have to be a medical expert to just say, this was our experience. Mm-hmm. And um, Vivian was our Vivian was our fifth daughter from China, our fifth child from China. And she was a game changer because she had significant needs and she waited on the, waited on the shared list. Her, probably her description line was two or three lines long with bilateral arm deformity, bilateral leg deformity, possible syndrome, possible this. And my husband looked at her picture and he said, she needs us. And, um, but he was potentially going to be deployed for a year, which would have been a real issue. And so I said to him, I said, I think the question is not, should we adopt her, but is she our daughter? And the question was, yes, she was. I mean, the answer was, yes, she was our daughter. And then we just, we knew what we needed to do and God made a way. And so that, that sort of has been our, um, I guess that was since that point we have not told God what we what we would or wouldn't do. We have been open to whoever the Lord felt like might need us more That's awesome. than you know. And Stephanie brings up so many good points in everything that you said and you know it's been it's been so neat to see just the families change over time as programs change. Um, and just to follow a family like Stephanie's who you know, came in with kind of a mindset and just watching the Lord just grow and stretch hearts. Uh, um, just how, you know, it's it's so much more than just adoption. It's about changing lives and changing families and changing ministries. You know, we change as we see families being able to just grow and stretch in, in, in ways that are so amazing to us. So that's neat to see. And then, too, just um, another thing she said about um, one of her children, that the medical need was not 
not the real need, um, her first little girl. And, you know, that's so important to bring out because it's not always the medical need that's going to be your focus once you're home. It seems to be what people are focused on before the adoption. You know, everybody's going through that paperwork with a fine tooth comb and talking to specialists and um, asking questions as you should. But the, the game changes once you have a child that has been in an institution in your home. And you kind of get your doctor's appointments down, your therapies down. Maybe you're going to have a couple surgeries or a couple procedures that are going to correct or get you on the road to correcting a medical need. But then you're looking at attachment and bonding and the social skills and behavior that hasn't been corrected by a primary caregiver. So we really encourage people as you're looking at a child with medical special need, be sure you're looking at the big picture. Be sure you're looking at it from the capacity of this is a child that has been without a mama and a daddy or a primary caregiver for two, three, four, ten years of their lives. Um, and just making sure that you understand that and how that's going to play into um, just the parenting you're going to do from the time of your adoption on. Well, and it's, you know, and both of you alluded to just the, the important role that the body of Christ plays um, in each individual family's adoption. Um, and, and uh, you know, Stephanie, I love the fact that that part of the the ministry that the Lord has given you is to is to create a blog to bring people together around those issues. Um, and, and knowing that one of the things I think families have to count the cost in as they as they weigh what the Lord would have them to do is is to to really think in terms of what are those resources around us? Mm-hmm. Who are those people that that come around and it's certainly doctors and nurses and psychologists and, and all kinds of people, but it's also those extended webs of relationship and those people that, that come around because because it is um, it, it is a special calling and and there it is a it is a difficult road to walk at times but in in the body of Christ um, the Lord has given us everything we need um, because he's given us the gift of each other and and so I think that um, you know one, one thing that we would encourage families to do as they as they pray through um, steps to consider what what special needs they might consider in an adoption is is what has the Lord already given you? Who has the Lord already given you? What are those relationships that exist? And and I just appreciate both of you ladies in the way in in the different ways that that you step in and and speak into that for families and and the the incredibly powerful advocacy that is for for children. Um, who, who God has called us out to care for um, by caring for their families well. So, um, so Carla, process-wise, what, what, what does it look like and, and like how, how does a family make the decision to, to pursue a child with special needs and, and how maybe does that change their process somewhat? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and probably a question that Stephanie is much better equipped to answer because she's one of those families. Um, but from the perspective that I work with families, um, most families that Lifeline works with in our ministry are going to have a calling to this. They're going to believe that the Lord has equipped and prepared their family for such a time as this and to have a child with medical special needs in their home. Um, It's interesting that probably one of the toughest parts of a process for families is filling out the form that we give them 
um, where they tell us what their family is comfortable with, with regard to age, gender, and then the medical special need listing. And that's a call I get, you know, at least monthly, is how in the world do you fill out this form? Um, and we really encourage families to look at it just from a, a very honest perspective, looking at their lifestyle, looking at the children they're currently parenting, um, looking at their financial resources. All of those things are going to play into um, making this decision. And of course, we're encouraging them just pray, um, pray and see what the Lord has for you. And you know, ultimately, if this is something he's calling to you, calling you to, he's going to be your provision. Um, but we want to be sure all those things are lining up. And then throughout the process, we're looking at ways to best prepare and, and equip a family. Um, and then for our ministry, discipleship is a huge part of that, because we believe if we are able to disciple families and really pour into them spiritually, they are better equipped once that child is in their home to pour into their spouse or to pour into the children already in their home or the newly adopted child, however that may look spiritually. Um, that relationship is very important to us. And we've seen over the, over the years, especially probably the last two or three years, as our ministry has really become very focused on, we want our families to know the Lord and we want our families to know that He is their provision. We're going to be right alongside them, helping all that we can with the process and the resources and the connections. But ultimately, the Lord is going to provide for their family. So it's been neat to see families um, really seek out what the Lord has and really seek us out to pray with them or to connect them with other families that are, are, are missional minded and believe the same way that they do about this process. Um, as far as the paperwork goes, it doesn't really change things um, as far as the paperwork for most countries. Most countries are coming at international adoption now from a medical special needs perspective. Um, for China specifically, um, adopting a, a waiting child or a child with the more significant needs, a child that's a little bit older, the process is going to be shorter just based on the time frames right now. Um, but that's something that um, your caseworker is going to walk you through on a case-by-case -case basis, really delving into what's best for your family, what's best for this child, because that's really important, too, that we're looking at the best interest of the children. So, Stephanie, I'm, I'm interested because one of the things that, that we talk about a lot um, at Lifeline is the, the our vision. Like, what do we want to see happen? And ultimately, um, the biggest part of that vision is seeing children who were once orphaned, who were once vulnerable, um, carrying the gospel themselves, being being an agent of the gospel um, in in their lives. And I'm I'm just curious, like, how have you guys seen um, adopting children with special needs and, and and pouring into them? How have you seen the gospel go forth? Um, through your kids or through your family, through opportunities that have been created um, through medical special needs adoptions? Well, I'm going to say that being a mom of 13 with nine children that are from China, some of them with visible special needs, we are never, we are conspicuous everywhere we go. <laughs> there is nowhere that we go that someone doesn't know immediately that we are an adoptive family or you wouldn't believe the guesses that we've had. Um, it's just an opportunity to 
so everywhere, the grocery store, the doctors, you know, the dentist, everywhere that we go, we are a representation of Christ. Um, that would take me to a subject that I think is really important, which is how people um, respond to questions that, that you know, curious onlookers have. I think it's important for me personally because we never felt a call to adopt, never had a heart for adoption, never even, never even thought about it, to be perfectly honest. Um, we were once those people asking dumb questions. Yeah. We were once those people saying probably rude things, probably very politically incorrect things. And so I think it's important as uh, a mom or dad with um, children um, through adoption, it's important to reflect the beauty, the joy, the loveliness of adoption that we are allowed to participate in. It is hard, it is difficult, there are rough edges, but it is a beautiful, glorious thing. And I find myself frustrated by moms who really wanna you know, rant on people asking curious questions. It's just an opportunity to just be glad that your eyes are open. Be glad that you can see the beauty that you see in these babies that that are beautiful, but that the world would say, I don't know what you see in that. I don't know what, why you'd want to do that. Why would you spend so much money when you could, why, why don't you adopt these kids? Why don't you do that? You know, there's, the world asks a million questions, um, but we have been so blessed by our children, and I want my adopted children to see joy on my face. When someone says adoption, we know it's hard. We do hard at home. We talk about hard at home, but when we're out, adoption is a beautiful thing. And I also play off of my children's responses. So especially my oldest, she's 13 now. How did you feel about that? Did you like the words that they used? Did you understand what that meant when they said that about eyes that looking the same? Did you understand that that's a stereotype? And I responded kindly because I felt like she didn't know and just all of our conversations are constantly going at opportunities like that. Um, it's also an opportunity to say to my kids all the time, look at the way the Lord made our family. He chose you. He's, you know, you came from a country of billions of people, you know, is it billions? It is billions. Okay. And he chose you to come and be in our family. So you have an important role to play in our family. What's the Lord going to do with your life? So through every interaction that we have where our children are going out, it's an opportunity to why are we made this way? Why are we different? You know, why, why does our family compose mm -hmm. of these people? It, it looks different. We act different. We behave differently. It's because of Christ. So, and we tell families, you know, every single day, you are in the middle of a miracle mm -hmm. and don't miss that. Don't miss it getting caught up in how many days something is taking or comparing yourself to somebody else process, somebody else's process, but really appreciate what you are in the middle of. And it's so encouraging, and I, I, I tell families on phone calls, I wish you could sit in my seat, and I wish you could hear the phone calls I have of people post-adoption that may have struggled throughout the process, may have really wondered, why is this taking so long, or why is everybody else getting their immigration approval in two weeks, and mine's taking two months? And to hear them come back and be able to say, I know now that the Lord was preparing our family our hearts and this child for this perfect story that he was writing. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm reminded of a story back um, about a year ago or so. We, we were privileged to host some kids here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things that we got to do was to host some of the officials who had come with them. Um, and so we got to take them to um, one of our local schools to my son's self-contained special ed classroom. And, uh, and, and having the opportunity to be able to take those officials 
and have them interact with a with a boy who had no voice, mm-hmm. but had a, assistive technology to to give him the ability to communicate, and and watching them surrounding him and and being being fascinated, mm-hmm. but then the conversations that it provoked about the worth and the dignity of that child and why, um, you know, why we would go to the great extent to. Um, to help him the way that we do and, and, and why, why that happens. And ultimately, it gave a platform to talk about, um, the Imago Day and being com- yeah. created in the image of, of God and, and that, that, that Christ compels us, um, you know, to act that way. And I think we, you know, we too identify with that. We're a hot mess everywhere we go. We don't have the alternative to, to sort of not look different. And so, um, it, it invites people to ask questions, but it also invites platforms for the gospel all the time where we're able to talk about not just our kids and not their stories, but, but ultimately we're, we're able to talk about who, who Jesus is and about why he's, you know, why he's done for us, what he's done and, and their part in that. And, and we never want to lose sight of the fact that, that God in the simplest of interactions is granting us opportunities, um, through what he's accomplished in our families and adoption. And so I really appreciate you sharing that because that's a, that's a great heritage to invest in, in your kids. So one, one last kind of, one last question that is, so there's a family that they may be listening to us today that is, that says we're really beginning to, to sense that God would have us to, to take the step toward a child with a, with a medical special need. What would you encourage them to begin to do now in order to prepare themselves, in order to prepare their hearts, in order to prepare their home um, for for what the Lord might accomplish by bringing a child with a special need? What are the relationships that they need to begin to form? What are the what are the resources that they need to begin to think about so that they can be in a position to really follow in um, in, in healthy obedience? I would say um, local relationships are so important. So pediatrician, you know, anything, any needs that your child might have in terms of physical things that you could just start, you know, tilling the soil in terms of learning who's who and who could help you and where you might want to go. Um, but also uh, fostering relationships with other moms who are parenting kids with those needs. It's so good to get plugged in. Um, sometimes just to hear, I know, me too, is just so calming and soothing. And to know someone's praying for you, uh, I would say it's super important to, when you're in country, have uh, resources, have people you can reach out to that are ready to hear the ugly, the hard. Um, I've had phone calls of people saying, I don't want to bring this child home, you know, and I totally understood that. I totally understood that and came home and so grateful that the Lord was, you know, sovereign and knew, you know, we, we all know God doesn't change his mind. So just because you're in China in a hotel room with a screaming child does not mean God has changed his mind. So um, getting those support systems set up, I would say, is so much more important than having your house ready a certain way. Or, But I would also encourage um, parents to really dig in to their understanding of who God is because this is going to be, this could possibly be really rocked. By, um, by a difficult attachment, adjustment, lots of physical needs that you're maybe not prepared for. You know, just trusting that God is really sovereign. He's really who he said he is, and he can really do what he says that he can do. And trusting him that right now my life looks like total a total train wreck. But God, you know, we know what God does with ashes. And so just trusting that your timeline might not, might not be his timeline, but that there is work to do in our hearts, in mom's hearts, in dad's hearts. There's a lot of work to do. There's 
there's dark things, there's wreckage there that, that needs tending. And the Lord uses these children, these difficulties to dig it up, root it up, clean us up, you know, and it's, and it's an opportunity or people can see it as an opportunity to allow the Lord to work in your heart or people can turn on it and become angry and bitter and um, isolate themselves. So it's good to have those supports in place where no, someone's not going to let you become isolated. They're going to go find you and they're going to bring you back into the fold. You know, as the church, that's our job. You know, um, adoption can be super, super hard. So just knowing ahead of time, my life could look like this. Things could look really, really difficult. Who can I trust that's going to come and scoop me back up and remind me that God loves me? This is how he's loving me right now through this difficult child or through this difficult circumstance. And it's for my good. It's for my family's good. Yeah. And we tell families to be sure you and your spouse are on the same page Mm -hmm. um, and use the time, use the process, respect the time that you're given in the process to really spend time with your spouse and talk through, well, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? You know, lots of just going over scenarios so that you're coming at it from a time where you're in a comfortable setting and you have time to talk about things and time to do research. Um, if you if you find yourselves maybe coming at different scenarios from different ways, it's really important that you bring a child into a home where there's a healthy marriage relationship and where relationships with children are intact, children already in the home. Um, your world is going to change in so many amazing ways, but it's also going to change in some challenging ways um, that you really aren't prepared for until, you, until you've walked through this. Um, so just being sure that Um, You're pouring into each other, that you are, you know, in a church where you are being poured into so that you're spiritually strong um, and just ready for the for the challenges that we know are coming. That's awesome. And I I think, you know, fairly um, as a ministry, we want to be in a place to to walk with families through all of that deeply. And so, um, Carla, I know one of the one of the greatest joys that you have in in what you get to do is is to walk with families through difficult questions sometimes through hard questions sometimes but through um, through ultimately um, the, the whole journey of what the Lord is doing to bring a child into their family and to and to help a child to really feel secure um, in that family and so we um, as as a ministry want to let folks that are that are here in this podcast know we're here yes. and we want to talk and we we want to be a part of that journey with you and we want to pray with you um, because because we ultimately believe um, that that God has not only called families into this um, but he's but he's called us to come alongside families and to come alongside churches to um, to be engaged in this ministry. So if there were something that you were were to have an opportunity to say to to a family today um, that's praying through um, adoption, um, what what one piece of counsel or one piece of advice would you would you want to say to them today? Oh goodness, <laughs> one thing. Um, there's so many things. Um, I think I would just really challenge families to be open to what the Lord has for them Um, and to not be fearful if they feel themselves being stretched or if they feel themselves being called to something that maybe wasn't as familiar as they would have liked it to be. And to just really, like I said earlier, to just embrace the miracle that they're in the middle of, Um, accept the support that you are um, 
that you that you're being given, whether it be from a ministry like Lifeline or like Stephanie said, moms and dads that are reaching out to you and wanting to pray with you through the process or wanting to offer um, their experience um, and just speak into what you're going through. Um, Like Rick said, this is so much about relationship, Um, not just the relationship that's going to develop between you and your child, but the relationships that you are going to develop throughout the process and just that support that's going to be your stronghold through the process once your child is home um, and in the many years to come. I would say um, if the Lord is leading you, I would say jump. Um, and don't look back. Um, I cannot imagine what my life would be like now if we had not been obedient. And it felt, it felt like obedience at the time. It felt really difficult. It felt really scary. And it felt like kind of foot dragging obedience, just headed in the direction that we felt like the Lord was calling us. But once, once you see that face and once you have that sense of that love that the Lord gives us in amazing ways, for these children, uh, you will you will be so grateful that you are obedient, that his plans really are the very best. I'm parenting a little girl right now with Down syndrome, and you, if you had told me this years ago, I would have thought it was absolute crazy. And she is just, so, I can't even put it into words, so I would say jump, leap, don't count the cost at this point. You should count the cost, but don't count the cost in a way that's gonna keep you from being obedient. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you both for uh, for joining us, and we look forward to the next time on the Defender Podcast Extra Edition. Um, you can find us right here um, every two weeks. So we look forward to um, to our next installment. I hope you have a great week, and may God bless you. As we close today, I want to say thank you to Carla Thrasher and to Stephanie Leist. Ladies, thank you for sharing with us about medical special needs adoption and sharing your wisdom with us. This podcast, the Defender Podcast Extra Edition, is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. Here at Lifeline, we exist to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. And quite simply, that means we want to help you and want to help your family as you seek to live out James 1.27. We pray that this podcast and the other resources that we provide will be an encouragement um, and will also be a resource to you as you follow God's calling to care for the fatherless. I'm Rick Morton. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.